the unconscious God. Human awareness is spiritual. We have a depth to ourselves and a capacity of knowing that can plumb the hidden yearnings of the heart and scale the heights of ever greater wisdom and grasp. There is so much more to us than what we give ourselves credit for. Our lives are far more wonderful than what we are consciously aware of. So much of who we are, of our lives, remain unconscious to us and must still break through to our consciousness or realization. Human awareness has a distinctive quality. We are conscious of being addressed. No other creature is in any way capable of giving an account of itself. This is a human prerogative. We may try to ignore, deny, or hide ourselves from this fact, but we cannot escape it. The call remains. Listen to this truth expressed in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the lower world, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall find me. Would I say, surely darkness will envelop me? Even the night is as luminous as the day. For you have created my mind. You formed me in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unshaped form. In your book are recorded the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Is the fact that we cannot escape a sense of being called to responsibility a prophecy of doom or a wonderful challenge for us to come out of hiding and become all that we have been given the capacity to be. Who we are remains a secret to most of us. We do not quite know why and for what we are. The result is that we live a mostly directionless and uninspired life. The secret is buried in our innermost being. The wake-up call of suffering makes us look into the why and wherefore of our lives. Job, in what was to him senseless suffering, cursed the day he was born. In chapter 3 of the book of Job, Job is recorded as saying, May the day perish on which I was born, because it did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide sorrow from my eyes. We are born into such an imperfect world of strife and hurtful influences. Our lives may seem so warped, so full of sadness, 
distressing plights and difficulties. We may be so unable to get a grip on ourselves, but there may come a day when our eyes are opened to the wonder of life and of our person. That day came for Job when he realized that there were things that have previously remained hidden from him. Things, he said, too wonderful for me, which I did not know. It is the same realization which made King David exclaim in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Life challenges us to search for its answers in an in-depth way in order to gain a more profound understanding of who and why we are. Psalm 51 verse 6 reads, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you make me to know wisdom. Frankel contended that to understand ourselves, to grasp our essence, nature and make-up, we must see ourselves in our wholeness. Man is an open system, he said. To shut him off from the deeply embedded will to meaning at the very heart of his being and to close him off from hiding an ultimate reason for living is to make him lose anchor and direction. We all need to experience our lives as having intent, that it has been ordained or destined to be. Without a sense of inclusion or of being a needed and ordained part of a bigger picture, that is by a world that summons us and a future that awaits us, our existence collapses into futility. It has neither rhyme nor reason. Our inherent will to meaning, if hampered, handicapped, or even trampled underfoot, will make us feel at sea and rootless, swayed by the wind of mere chance. Placing a ceiling on our search for ultimate meaning in life, we lose vision. The future is a closed door. It can no longer beckon. Frankel spoke of our spiritual unconscious. At the root of it, as the very anchor of our being, is what he called the transcendent unconscious. This concept, he said, means no more or less than that man has always stood in an intentional relation to transcendence, even if only on an unconscious level. If one calls the intentional referent of such an unconscious relation God, it is apt to speak of an unconscious God. God may be unconscious to man, and man's relation to God may be unconscious. Our concept of an unconscious God refers to man's hidden relation to a God 
who himself is hidden. Although concealed in the transcendent unconscious, the will to reach out beyond ourselves make itself noticeable as what Frankel called an unrest of the heart. Hence he's saying that the heart remains restless until it has found and realized meaning in life. He stated, Logotherapy aims to unlock the will to meaning and to assist the patient in seeing a meaning in his life. It borrows from what the patient knows by the wisdom of his heart and in the depth of his unconscious. Through logotherapy, this knowledge is brought to the surface of consciousness. We all have the inclination to reach out to more than just the here and now of life as we know it. We all, be it in various ways, seek to find some ultimate answer as to the why we exist. And we want to know more fully what our lives are really about. We uncannily sense that we are being called upon to do so. Our search for meaning is, in a final sense, a provoked search for the ultimate meaning of our lives. How important it is, therefore, to remain open, to let the answers to our quest to know more come to us. Frankel asked, who can say that beyond this world, a superworld does not exist? Just as the animal can scarcely reach out of his environment to understand the superior world of man, so perhaps man can scarcely ever grasp the superworld, though he can reach out towards it in religion or perhaps encounter it in revelation. What is unknowable, Frankel said, need not be unbelievable. In fact, said Frankel, when knowledge gives up, the torch is passed on to faith. Without faith in the worth and meaning of life, without some reason for living, we would hardly be able to breathe. We are all fundamentally motivated towards some sort of meaning in life, whether we call ourselves religious or not. Human existence, as long as it has not been neurotically distorted, said Frankel, is always directed to something or someone other than itself. Frankel stated it as a fact of human existence when he said, Man cannot really exist without a fixed point in the future. His entire present is shaped around that future point, directed toward it like iron filings towards the pole of a magnet. We all have the need to believe that our lives once lived, will make some sort of ultimate sense, and that it is not been in vain. The right to believe that our lives have ultimate meaning is a sacred 
privilege. To damage or spoil this fundamental outreach to the more and over and above of life is sacrilege. No greater ceiling than religious dogmatism can be placed on our natural outreach to find some ultimate sense in life on our fundamental need to believe that our lives can ultimately nestle in an achieved sense of having meant something in some final sense. Frankel was very strong in his stated belief that religion is genuine only where it is existential, where man is not somehow driven to it, but commits himself to it by freely choosing to be religious. Genuine religiousness must unfold in its own time. Never can anybody be forced to it, he said. Fanaticism is in a very real sense demonic, Frankel said. Atrophy of the religious sense in man results in a distortion of his religious concepts. Once the angel in us is repressed, he turns into a demon. Freedom of choice, the freedom to be, to believe, to find meaning, and to understand that our lives are directed in an ultimate direction to the much higher and the much more that makes life such a beautiful and awesome gift is man's holy right. That is why Frankel could so categorically state, if religion is to survive, it will have to become a profoundly personalized religion which allows any human being to speak a language of his or her own when addressing himself or herself to the ultimate being. Please listen to the following correspondence that I had with an atheist student, or one who professed that he was an atheist. He wrote to me, Dear Dr. Taria, having read your essays online, I notice a distinct biblical Theme. I am a very convinced atheist and believe strongly that a human being can find an existentially filled and fully content life outside any dogmatic philosophy. Will this atheism present a problem? I answered him, Dearest Luke, I am so happy to be able to embrace you fully and totally as your own unique self. I will never dream of imposing my own unique way of embracing an answer to the great existential questions in life, questions we all face and answer in our own personal ways on you. You are too much of an individual with your own will, worth and dignity for me to ever do that. I have to be what I believe myself to be in all honesty and transparency, but I grant you that same right. And he wrote back to me, 
Dear Dr. Terea, words cannot describe how wonderfully your words resonate within me. My spirit is glowing because it sees that beauty and kindness of spirit still exist in people which you exemplify. Many, many, many thanks.